overdid it. Well, the rain chance drops off tonight, but it's coming back tomorrow. Spotty overnight evening thunderstorms and for the morning, too. But otherwise, midday or so when thunderstorms develop with all the heat about throughout the course of the day tomorrow. 70s to 80 for the morning and the afternoon high to the 80s to near 90. Some spots could be the triple digits with the heat indices. So moving on through Wednesday, Thursday and Friday of the week. Partly cloudy afternoons, otherwise scattered thunderstorms with highs 90 to low 90s. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of... show i'm looking out the beautiful picture windows actually it's kind of hard to look out the windows because there's condensation on all of them but i see sunshine i'm super excited about that it's been sunny most of the day how about over there patty yep it's been sunny all day it's beautiful did it did it rain at all because it did rain a little bit here not yet oh but the day is young (laughs) (laughs) yes fantastic Five five six nine six nine six. You're listening to the Food Show. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris. I'd love to talk food with you. We have Gunter Price at three o'clock today. I asked Gunter to call us and talk about dates, as in not a date, but dates—the item to consume. Uh, I find dates fascinating, and when Amy Mertens called and we talked about her menu at Copper Vine. Uh, I I wanted to explore the world of dates a little bit more. So I asked Gunter, who is, as you know, a classically trained European chef who has owned a number of restaurants in town and is, you know, certainly knowledgeable on the subject and any other subject having to do with food. I asked him to call in and chat with us about dates. So he'll be doing that at three o'clock. Until then, it's just us. It is National French Friday. One of my favorite things in the whole wide world, especially good ones. Uh, Bad ones, not so much. And there are, (laughs) for every good one, probably 30 bad ones out there. What do you think that ratio is, Patty? Good French fries in restaurants to bad. Uh, You know, I'm guessing it's probably about 50 50 because whenever you order fries you kind of wait and see what comes really 50 50 you think that the do you think there are that many good fries out there yeah i do i, you I do i do mm-hmm. okay where do you find good fries well you know um i go to more casual places and i mm-hmm. like crinkle cut french fries i know i, I, do know, too. I know you more the hand cut ones but i like those and shoestring fries I like and if you get them hot if you order them and if they if they're fresh and they just came out they're really good okay so who's got good this is the big question of the day who's got good fries 
Um, I love Shake Shack. I think Shake Shack's fries ought to be better than they are. But I don't I really mind. I'm with you. I don't really mind crinkle cut fries. There's something nostalgic about them that I like. Yep, I agree. Do you like waffle fries? Um, I like them. If I had a choice, I wouldn't order them. But if I get them, I'll eat them. You know? <laughs> I think the waffle fries at walk-ons are not terrible. As a matter of fact, Walk-Ons has a cheese fry. Mary Lee and I go through these phases where we're really going to a place a lot, and then all of a sudden, we never go again. <laughs> it's like there's there's no discussion about it. It just ends. And I'd say about five years ago, we were in a Walk-Ons phase, and we were getting the Walk-Ons cheese fries a lot. And then I can't tell you the last time I went to walk-ons. They didn't do anything wrong. It's not, I still like it. I just never go there. Um, well, I mean, a lot has changed over here too. So we don't get out as much, the two of us, as we used to. But um, that could be a big part of it. But we, don't, we almost don't go there. Other than that, I can't think of a waffle fry that I like. Uh, let's see. The fries at Houston's are pretty good as shoestring fries go. Do you like Houston's, Patty? I do, I do. Yeah, who doesn't? Who <laughs> doesn't like Houston's? Please make yourself known. Give us a call, 556-9696. I can't imagine that there's a person out there that can make that phone call. <laughs> and there's not a lot of places you can say that about, you know? But I, I just don't know of anyone who doesn't love Houston's. There's a guy that I know that, is an attorney in town who is definitely a gourmet, a wine guy, a high roller, and he would spend as much time in Houston's as he did in Emeralds. And it was just a thing. He loved Houston's. I mean, I, I like it too, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't really go any place quite that much except La Coretta. But, um, there was a really odd thing that happened there yesterday. Tom and I went because it got sunny after the show and I wanted to go sit outside. So we went and um, and there was an odd taste to the queso, which is something we get all the time, especially the chori queso. And it wasn't a it wasn't like a chemical taste or a bad taste or anything like it. it was like it tasted like seafood, which was really weird. So I sent it back and she said, Yeah, there are other people who have said that today too. So then I got the chori queso, thinking that the meat from the chori queso would definitely not allow that flavor that was in the cheese dip to come through, but it did. And so I thought, gosh, that's so weird. So then I asked, I ordered a tamale, which is something that I always get there, but I get it with the tomatillo sauce. And, and then I put some pico on it, and I love their carnitas tamales. So I tasted it, and it had the same unusual flavor. And I thought, this is so weird. It's in the masa too. So I called the manager over, and I told him all that. And then he said, he said, are you sure it's not the salsa? And so I scraped the salsa off the tamale. 
And then I took a bite of the tamale and the tamale was fine. It was in the salsa. So I don't know how many things it was in yesterday, but whatever it was, it was really peculiar. And uh, I, they, I hope they fix it because that's like one of my favorite things in the whole world, but it's weird. Have you ever had that happen where you go to a restaurant and something is off? And it's not, like I said, in this case, it didn't, it didn't seem like it was, you know, something really bad. It was just a different flavor that shouldn't have been in there. And, um, and I, I was just curious, has that ever happened to you where you go someplace regularly, you know what everything is supposed to taste like, it doesn't taste like that, and, and you can't figure out why? Has that ever happened to you, Patty? Yeah, it has more in, and it's funny that you said Coretta's, because more in Mexican places, and sometimes really? I think it has something to do with either the cilantro or the cumin or something. Sometimes they have a heavy hand with one of those, and it just changes the whole taste of everything. I could see that. I definitely can see that. I, I, I would imagine that that probably is something. It was like a new person in the kitchen maybe. But um, it didn't taste like an herb. It tasted, it tasted like seafood. It was really strange. And I'm thinking, I wonder if it's one of those things where it's weird cilantro and that's what it is. But it was strange. Anyway, um, all right, so we got way off the subject there. So French fries. Back to the subject of French fries. I think that the shoestring fries at Houston's are good. I think that you can tell when they change fries. We go to Chimes. Well, I used to go to Chimes. It's another place I don't go as much as I used to. And they had really ordinary fries. And then they changed the fries to that upgraded thing where you have some skin on it so it makes it look like they're fresh cut, although you know for sure in a place like that they're not. But they're much better. The only thing I don't, and I, and I don't, I, I say this like I, like it's a hard and fast rule. It's not a hard and fast rule. I don't really care for battered fries. Do you like those, Patty? Not at all. Yeah. Um, do you, when you get them, do you ipso facto toss them aside? They're battered, so I'm not going to eat them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, most of the time I'll, a I'll ask if it's someplace uh -huh. I haven't been. Uh -huh. And I also don't like seasoned fries either. I just like oh, fries. Okay. So, okay. so, if so I guess you don't like I truffle fries. Been, no. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I don't like truffle fries. I do like Cajun seasoning fries, but not truffle fries. If you have truffle oil on them, the restaurant usually likes to think that you'll be absolutely titillated by that but in fact i'm usually repulsed by that yeah I don't like and that. usually see truffle fries with parmesan on them mm -hmm. and um the last place that i had that was at pardo's where they do truffle fries and i asked them to hold the the truffle oil so um you can do that i mean it's something that they you know that you 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 can opt out in other words yeah <laughs> uh, anyway so fries the subject is fries today i know there are people groaning because i always talk about fries because i love fries and i would say that i'm not alone in that because fries come with just about everything <laughs> and so um obviously people do like fries there are places where i just am not interested in eating the fries at all and uh that's unusual and then sometimes you absentmindedly eat fries. But what I'd really like is a great fry that I can look forward to as its own entity 
as an integrated part of an absolutely delicious meal. My thought goes immediately to the French fries at Crescent City Steakhouse, which are just like the ones that your mom would have made. They're just potatoes. They're just cooked perfectly. They're just golden brown. They're greaseless. They've got, a, you know, the proper amount of salt on it, and they're just fantastic. To me, that is the holy grail of a fry, and uh, it is National French Fry Day, and we're going to be talking some more about that. I promise it's not the only thing we'll talk about. We'll talk about dates at 3 o'clock with Gunter Preuss, but we will be back after these messages, 556-9696. Have you ever eaten something new and wondered where it had been all your life? We thought that about Double D Sausage after having it at a friend's house. But restaurants all over town serve it in their gumbo, red beans, and jambalaya. It's made right in Bogalusa, and the company is in its third generation. Double D Sausage is a light smoke, pure pork sausage with notes of sage and other spices. Try the regular mild and hot and new flavors like the Cajun variety and jalapeno and cheddar. Double D Sausage in stores all over town. The best meals always start with the best ingredients. If you're cooking seafood, the best ingredients are at Mandeville Seafood. All local fish, Louisiana shrimp, oysters, crab, crawfish, wild salmon, and Dungeness crabs. With a little notice, Mandeville Seafood can get anything in the seafood universe you may want to try. And it's crawfish season. Having a boil? Bring your ice chest to Mandeville Seafood. Celebrating 25 years. I get misty just holding your hand. Ah, sweet sentiment. 556-9696. You're listening to The Food Show. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris. I'd love to talk to you about food. That's all we do. It's all Tom's been doing for 33 years. This Sunday is the anniversary of The Food Show. 33 years. All right, so it's National French Friday. I'll read what Tom has in his almanac. Fried potatoes are among the greatest culinary creations of all time. Even when they're badly made, they're tempting. When well-made, they're irresistible. Chefs and restaurateurs from the lowest to the highest orders brag about their fries as much as about anything. No less a gourmet than Thomas Jefferson proudly served fries at the White House. A clear uptick in the quality of restaurant French fries appeared in recent years. More of them take the trouble to cut their own fresh potatoes. That was at one time universal, even at McDonald's. They are still doing that out in California at In-N-Out. I'm amazed at the amount of fries that you can see being cut. Have you ever been there, Patty, to In-N-Out? No, I haven't, but I've heard okay. about it. So they have these giant machines, and I would imagine that anyone who operates these machines must be lopsided because they pull this lever like a million times a day. But it's these giant French fry cutting machines, and they just, they're, they're peeling potatoes constantly. They put it in there, whoop, it comes out, fries ready to go, and they do just... I don't know. I can't even imagine how many thousands in the course of a day, but they are still, since 1947, doing fresh cut fries. So kudos to them. They come out yellow, golden, crispy, and uh, pretty darn good. All right, Patty, I hope you're ready for this. Let's go to Darren. Hey. Hey. How's it going? 
It is going fine. How about with you? We have some sunshine today, so I'm automatically in a better mood. That's right. I, uh, it's so nice. Let's hope mm-hmm. it holds up. I, uh, so I think I've mentioned this to you before. So, Muya on veterans, those fries are fresh cut. Yes, they I've are been told 100%. that. Yep, they are. And, um, in fact, my daughter had a friend that worked there in the early days when it, when it first opened and said that when you had that job for the day, it was a complete workout. Oh, yeah. I can believe it. <laughs> Do they use those giant machines? Do they, they're like, they're about, I would say, maybe three feet tall. And you have to reach up high and you... Yep. Can you see them? I think, Marianne, when you walk in, because you see everything, uh-huh. I think the machine is there. You can see it. Mm-hmm. I uh, I think it's right there. And, okay. um, and so it is a fresh cut fry. I, uh, I love a good French fry, but I like a really crispy, I mean, obviously not burned or rock hard, but I like a, just a nice crispy on the outside and tender on mm-hmm. the inside. And mm-hmm. it's hard to find a good French fry. What about, I mean, we know the burger's good at, at Luke. What about mm-hmm. the fries? I can't I haven't, remember the fries. Yeah, I haven't had a burger at Luke in a long, long time. Last time we went to Luke was a couple of years ago. We went for breakfast. If you're not still thinking about the fries, because they're so... It's so unusual when you get a really fantastic fry. Like I keep talking about the Crescent City fries because they really made an impression on me, you know. Um, I just thought they were pretty much perfection. Uh, and, and they're, and they're old-fashioned. They're not the newfangled kind of fries with the you know, special sprinkling of this or that or the truffle oil or anything like that. Have, have you had, I assume that you've had the, that you've, I know because we've talked about the fries at Five Guys. So are Muya's fries better than uh, Five Guys? You know, I think they're similar. Um, I will tell you this, and, and not that I'm a quantity over quality person, Mm-hmm. But boy, Muya gives you enough fries. I mean, you could you could feed an <laughs> army. I mean, it's well, that's true of Five Guys too. That's like one of the distinctive characteristics about the big and, quote heart attack in the sack. The uh, the 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 greasy bag. Uh, it's full of yeah. fries usually. You know. Yeah. So I mean, it, it is unbelievable. But I, I would think they're pretty similar. I. Uh, you know what else I like, Marianne? Now, unfortunately, we know we know they're not fresh cut, but I love a really, really good steak fry. Mm-hmm. And it, and and I know this might just sound so non gourmet, but if it's you okay. have, let's say, a good ribeye, mm-hmm. and the juices of that ribeye flow mm-hmm. into that steak fry, mm-hmm. I mean, I love stuff like that. Who's got a good steak fry? Because I'm not a fan of steak well, fry. They're too big. Who's who does a good steak the fry? Only, I mean, the only steak fry I'm I'm aware of is Red Robin, which is a chain. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think the last time I was at Reb Robin was when we were evacuated for Katrina, so that's how long that's been. Um, Okay. I don't know anybody who... Okay. Who really Patty said New Orleans hamburger and seafood has steak fries. Well, I thought their their fry is like a wedge. Well, that's a steak fry. Like a... Not, what, well, what's I'm, your I'm, what's your I'm, definition of a steak fry? I'm thinking more of that long, flat, wide French fry. Oh, that's okay. maybe wider than a popsicle stick. Okay, I like those. That kind of yeah, yeah. I, I like, like those, those, but you almost never reason. see them. Where where do you see them? Barrows. Well, Red Robin has that fry. Uh, Patty says uh, Barrows has those locally. Has those as well? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So, so, so Mary and I do have, oh, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to change the subject because I was going to direct the yellow. Gonna, uh, go ahead, boy. I was going to offer a restaurant review, but it's not really a good review. So I don't know how you want me to handle that. Go ahead. Um, so How we, bad is it? We want to... It's, it's really not bad. It's, okay. It's, you know what it's like? I'll tell you what it reminds me of. And I know you've talked about this. It reminds me of people who get all excited and say they're going to go to West End and go to Felix's, and they realize that it's not what they thought it would be and that it's unbelievably overly priced. Okay, so we're constantly picking on Felix's on this show. I know. Because I know. they deserve I it. And, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, and, and, and Marianne, I will tell you, and not that I was... I'm sorry. That, that's not my review, but I will tell you, <laughs> I went once when it first opened mm-hmm. at, at the lake location, and I will never return. It was, it was a terrible experience. But at any rate, so on West Esplanade... I think the most successful thing at this location was the old Mr. Edge cheeseburger Eddie's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the gumbo crew. Now it is the gumbo crew. Yeah. And I'm just not really. I, it just was an average experience. I, I'm trying to think price. of... What I yeah I do think it's expensive I'll say that I do think it's expensive I I actually like it though I I'm not you know like wow about it but I I think it's pretty good um I think it's really cute I was surprised by how cute it was I think they're very like ambitious hmm? I do I would agree with you I think they're ambitious and I think there's possibly hope we went <laughs> and you're gonna laugh so they. They, they advertised Taco Tuesday. So Why does everyone need a Taco Tuesday? Why? I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? It was, it was uh, my wife and I and, a, and another couple, and we're like, let's go to Taco Tuesday. They're $2 <laughs> each. Shrimp, steak, chicken, and the draft beer is $2. We'll just go enjoy some good conversation. So mm-hmm. we walk in at 630 and we're met with, we're sold out of tacos. Mm. So that mm-hmm. was like, okay. But at any rate, I, I ordered the shrimp and grits. And it was just, it was okay. 
it wasn't great. It wasn't awful. But for the price, I kind of had that Felix's feeling like, all right, I just spent pretty good money on a pretty average meal. Yeah, but Felix's is not average. It's bad. I would agree. That's, that's would the agree. difference. You're right. You're right. Like Gumbo, not, Gumbo Crew... Gumbo Crew, I'm not mad when I leave there. You know, like uh, we've I've been twice. We've got a bunch of things. Um, I think that they are maybe overly ambitious for the size of the place and for what's necessary. Like I really, I really think that they have a pretty. I think, if my memory serves me correctly, a pretty extensive menu, and. Yeah, and I thought it was I thought it was fine. I mean, it's not no, it's not brilliant, but I thought it was fine. Um I think your idea of going a place like that for tacos on Taco Tuesday and just hanging out and talking, I think it's a great idea. Just get there earlier next time if you want to go. I don't understand why well, everybody's going to have Taco Tuesday. Well, maybe I need to give them another chance. And, well, uh, you don't, and right. because I, mean, I don't think what they're doing over there is momentous enough for you to say, oh, I've obviously missed something. You know, it's like, it's a it's a perfectly fine, okay restaurant. It's definitely right in that, you know, if I did the 90% thing, I would say it's like 80% of the 90%. Just, when you look at the cost, I, my my feeling is, Boy, I can go spend that yes. on West Esplanade at Orleans Bistro. Okay, see, I'm not a, I'm not a big big fan of theirs. All right, Darren, you got to hold on, or you got to wind it down in ten seconds. What would you like to do? So no, I would just you guys have a good day, and I'll talk okay. to you soon. All right, take care. All right, All right it's two thirty. It's time for the Louisiana Radio Network news. Radio Network. I'm Matt Doyle. As the state remembers the life of former Governor Edwin Edwards, political analyst Bernie Pinsonat says it's important to note some of the accomplishments of his four terms in office. Pinsonat says one change that ruffled some feathers at the time was being the first governor to really bring black leaders into state government. We started seeing black department heads, black chief assistants to him. The entire process had been devoid of a lot of black period in state government, and Edwin changed that dramatically. Pinsonat says that decision to bring blacks into state government would provide Edwards with a solid base of support from the African-American community every time he ran for office. And Commissioner of Higher Education Kim Hunter-Reed remembers Edwards from her time serving as his press secretary in his final term. She says he's a big part of the reason why she's working in education. The encouragement he gave me to pursue higher education, you know, all of those things have made a tremendous impact in my life personally and professionally, and I'm just grateful for that. Louisiana Radio Network. It's the first day of the first grade And she found a new best friend It's a laid-back Sunday afternoon You wish would never end The homemade taste of bluebell And good friends gathered round The good old days are being made right now Dip into our new coconut cream pie ice cream And imagine being stranded on a deserted island Rich coconut French ice cream, flakes of coconut, tasty pie crust pieces, and a whipped topping swirl loaded with toasted coconut. You won't want to be rescued. The good old days are being made right now. The good old days 
Look for Bluebell Ice Cream at your local grocer and pick up your favorite flavor today. WGSO 990 AM has recently become recognized as an official 501c3 nonprofit organization capable of accepting tax-deductible donations. So, in commemoration of our 75th anniversary, the station is launching a 75 for 75 campaign with the goal of raising $75,000 in 2021. The funds that are raised will be dedicated to help the station fulfill our broadcast mission and satisfy any equipment needs that arise. These donations are especially important because unlike most radio stations in New Orleans, WGSO is independent, locally owned and operated and not part of a national broadcasting conglomerate. To donate, go to WGSO.com and click on the Donate button on the front page. Help us to continue to be the community voice of the Crescent City. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, madame, with you. Yeah, that's another interesting philosophical question about dining. If you go to a restaurant and you walk out going, meh, there's so many other restaurants, why would you go back and do it again? <laughs> Especially if you found it to be really pricey for what you got. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of any time I've done that where I'm just like really, you know, undeterred by a mediocre experience. And as I've said before, I don't know. I don't think you were on the board, Patty, when I made this statement. It got a little backlash, but then people called up and said, you know, that, that kind of really is true. Of the 100% of food experiences out there, 90% of them are just fine. You don't need to have them again. You never think about them again. They range from the lower end like Felix's, for example, you know, the 5% to 85% being, you know, pretty good. But for the most part, there's only 10% of places that offer you an experience that you're going to think about again, that you're going to want to go to and experience the same way again. I think it's really a small percentage of overall dining experiences. What do you think of that? I think you're probably right. And when you were talking about leaving a place, you know, saying, man, it, there's some place we went to recently, and I can't remember where it was, but I remember when I was leaving, my husband and I said, well, at least we got that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's true. It's like... Uh, and, and, and I'm glad that all of those places have people who experience it differently. Otherwise, there wouldn't be nearly as many restaurants out there. But it is, you know, I, I think, I, and what I really am annoyed by is when I go spend a lot of money and I don't like it at all. Now, in our case, it's our job to report on these things. So sometimes it's bad enough that I just can't even use that. And that really, really annoys me. But that doesn't, doesn't happen very often. I don't, I, I, like I said, there are three restaurants that have ever made an impression where I just like, Felix's is my new target to pick on. And I'm sorry, I, it's just, I don't, 
it's not like you feel sorry for them. You know, if you're building locations and there are multiple locations with more on the way, you're doing okay. You know, you don't need me. But I just feel like it, it sort of behooves you to up your game if you have the resources to keep multiplying. But, but if there are not enough people who care, then why bother, I guess? And they can do without me is what I'm saying. Let's go to Michael 75. Hello there. Hey. Just two weeks ago or so, we were speaking of Edwin Edwards, R.I.P. Yep. Did you know one of the most impressive things he did was he acted as a travel guide for 100 people? Do you know what I'm speaking of? No, I guess some fam trip, huh? No, they, after his uh, election as governor for the umpteenth time, he took them all to Paris and, and brought them to the Palace of Versailles, right outside, outside of Paris, and had dinner in the famous <laughs> Hall of Mirrors, a place that you would like, completely unlike Stein's. Let me correct you, Michael. We took them all to Paris. Did you go to, what do you mean, we? We, the taxpayers, took them all to Paris. Oh, oh yes. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know if, if they had to pay themselves. I don't, pay, I don't make rash judgments. But anyway, um, here's, here's the deal. The other place, the, the most beautiful restaurant, I'm, now I'm speaking of beautiful restaurants because I know that's your top uh, priority, uh, uh, was in the Hotel de Crillon, which is located mm-hmm. in the Place de Concorde. And the restaurant is in the hotel and is right next to uh, in the, in the, if they call it the Place de Revolution, uh, where the guillotine was, okay? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the name of the restaurant is the Hotel Ambassador, because mm-hmm. the American Embassy is right next to the hotel. And it is the most elegant, most beautiful hotel, which monstrous chandeliers everywhere, six or seven uh, waiters and servers, all at lunchtime. We didn't even go at, at, at uh, dinner, so... Uh, that's a place you would actually go crazy over with your parents. Was it Was it pretentious? Because you know what? I don't like pretentious restaurants. And, and I want to make a distinction. There's only one restaurant I've ever been to that was really pretentious, but I liked it. And I liked the pretentiousness. <laughs> I don't even know why, but I just thought, wow, this is really something. It's, it was in the, um, my favorite hotel out in California, um, the Langham in Pasadena. And it was the Royce Dining Room, which has now been converted to a steakhouse. And they don't have the same level of pretentiousness, but I just love the restaurant and no matter how pretentious they are. There's pretentious and there's pretentious disdain. And I don't like pretentious disdain. This was just, this is the level of service. It's impeccable. And it's really, really something to observe. So I don't necessarily need seven waiters. But it's it's kind of an interesting performance, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I, actually, I think I was the pretentious one uh, at lunch that day. I ordered a $100 lunch, and uh, my wife, who hates to spend money on food, ordered the cheese plate for $10. Uh, 
So uh, they start, they, the waiter started looking us uh, cross-eyed, and uh, one of them said, Madame, you, you, you're not getting anything to eat? Will your husband let you eat anything? <laughs> <laughs> I think you and Mrs. 75 should have your own show. Yeah, that would be good. Just like Edwin Ed was there with his, uh, his wife. But remember, we talked about that. You can get that on YouTube. Uh, oh, my by gosh. By the way, I, I feel again like I'm in the countryside in Tuscany today. I got oh, I these, they're, still, they're still on sale. I can't believe it. Beautiful Look. red bell peppers. Normally selling for a dollar to a dollar fifty each for thirty cents each. So I buy a ton of them. I grill them. Uh, I put olive oil on them, and then I go to Whole Foods and get the rustic Italian bread. Have you ever had that? It's like in a ball. I love the Whole Food bread. I mean, I, I think that Whole Foods bread is as good as it gets for us. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I you wish we had some bakeries. Or I wish we had Murray the Baker back, but we don't have all those things. And and Whole Food is as good as it's going to get for us. Yeah, you're right. So anyway, uh, last thing, uh, the French, here's here's a a great lunch. You go to Whole Foods, you get that bread for about $1.50, they'll slice it for you. Then you go to the uh, fishmonger, you get eight ounce piece of black drum for like $7.00. You bring that over to the uh, grilling station. You, you sit down. They serve you with the best fresh-cut French fries, all of that, and you save like 50% of a, uh, off of a good restaurant. That is a great meal. Best French fries in town. <laughs> Who's got the best French fries in town? Whole Foods. Wait, Whole Foods has fresh-cut fries? Golly, for 10 years. You've never been to, to, to the grilling station and eaten there? It's no. Uh-uh. no. I don't go to Whole Foods. I, it's, I just, does it seem like I would be a Whole Foods shopper, Michael? Yeah, you, you would love this. You, you pick your own uh, fresh uh, uh, black drum that just came in. They cut it to your specifications. You go then to uh, the grilling station uh, okay. with the bread that you bought. And uh-huh. uh, and they grill it for you, okay. and and uh, you get the great French fries. Is this so in Metairie? Do you do this in Metairie? This is Metairie, yes, it's uh-huh. by far the best one in Metairie on Uh-huh. I agree. I agree. You need to try yes. that out. But anyway, have a good day. All right. Take care. Yeah, I would say that if I had to go to Whole Foods, I would go to the one in Metairie. And I, I do go very rarely for particular things, but generally speaking. You know, no. As a matter of fact, I was marveling today when I went to my local Rouse's for the five-minute stop that I was at my local Rouse's, and I was thinking how much I am a shopper like my mother. And it takes probably 10 minutes to get to the Rouse's closest to my house, And it was probably a little bit closer for my mom to send whatever teenager had just learned how to drive. And she would do this several times a day. And I'm sorry to say, I think I've inherited that absurdity. But um, I I don't do a lot of shopping. I mean, I don't need to. We eat out all the time, you know. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. By the way, I picked up a roast beef poor boy from for Tom today at Bears. 
And I'm disappointed they've changed their bread. It's not an upgrade, it's a downgrade. But I also learned something I was not aware of. There is no affiliation between the Bears in Metairie and the Bears in Covington. I thought for sure that it was at least a franchise situation, but it isn't which is interesting. I'm going to have to look into that a little bit further. 5569696 is the number. It is National French Friday. So we're talking, you know, my favorite subject, French fries. We talked a little bit about crinkle cuts and about waffle fries and shoestring fries and fresh cut fries and truffle oil fries. And uh, Darren brought up a fry that I don't see very often, but would also qualify for that Simplot spectrum of fries. In fact, I called Simplot today trying to get them on the air to talk about fries, and they didn't seem averse to the idea, but it was, you know, pretty short notice. So maybe it'll happen sometime during the week, or maybe they'll just ignore me, but they didn't seem... Like, you know, they didn't want to do it. So uh, I think it was just a question of, of just too short a notice. So if we do get them on, I would love to talk to him. But Daryl's right. There are places that have these flat, they're, they're like an inch wide and about five or six inches long and about a quarter of an inch thick. Um and he calls those steak fries. I don't know what I'd call those. You know what I'm talking about, Patty? Do you know what he's talking about? I do. You've seen those. Barrow's Catfish has those. That's the first time I've really seen You've them seen anywhere. Them? Yeah. Yeah. Do you like Barrow's? Have you been? I do. I love their catfish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, since they moved to their location, I mean, I'm assuming that you went in the old days when Tom was a big fan, and then they disappeared for a while. Yep. And now they're and, open on Earhart. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so um, is it, it's, it's a fast casual thing on Earhart, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh -huh. But is it, the same, is it the same kind of everything? It's the same everything. It's the same family. Um, uh -huh. Last time I went there, I actually met the chef or the owner. He came out and I told him that I knew Tom and uh -huh. that, you know, he raved about it. So we had to try it. And he said they were closed for a little while, but they reopened uh, at this place on Earhart. And it's packed. Yeah, good. Good. I love that building that they're in. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I know that it was most recently, I think, LA 23 Barbecue, which appears to not be around anymore. But I'm glad that they landed and that they're doing well. All right, let's take a break and we will be back after these messages. 556 one of my all-time favorite restaurants is the legendary Pascal's Manali. It's now open for lunch Wednesday through Friday with happy hour specials in the dining room every day. Tuesdays, enjoy two-for-one appetizers and Hans's vodka martinis. Wednesday and Thursdays, wine and beer specials. Friday's lunch martinis are $5. Say hello to my friend Thomas at that great oyster bar when you go to Pascal's Manali, 1838 Napoleon Avenue. Reservations are recommended. Call 895-4877. Mandeville Seafood has been a local favorite, serving their house-made roast beef poor boys, seafood poor boys, and even a French fry poor boy in a fast, casual environment. Here is an extensive menu of salads and sandwiches and fried seafood, baskets and platters, as well as sides like stuffed artichokes, meat pies, 
and jalapeno cheese bites. And we love the very attentive service here at Mandeville Seafood Restaurant and Market, celebrating 25 years. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings and lots of things are never what they seem. Never a dull moment here at the Coolwater Ranch. It's the Food Show. I'm Marianne Fitzmaurice. Gunter Preuss is coming up at 3 o'clock to talk dates with us. I think dates are a fascinating thing. It is not something that you run into a lot, certainly here. Uh, in other parts of the world, they are really, really common. But I thought that Gunter could shed some light on the subject of dates, what to do with them. And, uh, you know, just I, I don't know that, that much about them, except that I'm intrigued by them. So uh, when Amy Mertens called last week from Copper Vine and talked about her date dish... I thought, you know, I want to know some more about dates. So I thought, who knows? Gunter knows. So I asked Gunter to talk about dates, and he's going to do that at 3 o'clock. But right now, we are talking about French fries and other things. We haven't really gotten to the other things too much. We've been pretty much stuck on French fries, which won't surprise anyone because French fries are kind of like my favorite subject (coughs) and one of my favorite foods. But we've been talking about the world of frozen fries fresh cut fries, and other kinds of fries. Let's go to Mike. Hello. Hello. I'm, I'm a Five Guys fan. What? Yeah, I really like Five Guys. <laughs> that is so unexpected. I, well, they don't what, have what wine is, there, do they? There, what, is there, what is there not to like about Five Guys fries? Oh, no, no. I love five. See, I am the one that you would expect to say that, but you are the gourmet, and I would not expect that. Well, I mean, the subject is is French fries. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't eat a lot of French fries in gourmet restaurants, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I I, I sometimes do what Tom used to advocate all the time, is if we have a few people at the table, sometimes I'll get an order of fries for the table when we're having cocktails. But, you know, I, most of my, I don't eat a lot of fried food to begin with. But, you know, when I do, I, I think five guys with their fresh potatoes and they always come out pipe, piping hot. And I love putting the malt vinegar on them. I mean, it's, it's just good, you know. They are good. I mean, yeah. I don't mind. I don't. I think they're greasy, but I don't. I'm not offended by the grease. I I right. would prefer that they not be greasy like that, but I'm not offended by it. Yeah, they can you know. shake them a few times extra, but you know they put them in that in that brown paper bag, and that absorbs some of the oil. So, so the whole key, yeah. I, when, whenever I go with somebody, they start working on their burger, and I just sit there and eat fries and yeah. leave my burger leave, leave my burger on the side because I don't mind eating the burger room temperature, but I want to eat the fries while they're hot. You know? Yes. Yes. Seems, now seems I think the burger is really good. Do you like the burger? Oh, I, love, I love their yeah. burgers. I really do. Yeah. 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 Now, do how would you compare them to the other, the others of their genre? I haven't got around like you have to all the various places. I had gone to Atomic one time, a long, long uh-huh. time ago. I was very impressed with it. I thought it was really good. It is good. But uh, I've never been to Shake Shack or you know. Uh-huh. So okay. But yeah, I've not been to Muya. I don't even know where that is. Where is that? 
It is at Lake uh, Villa, I guess, right there across. It's across the side street from Canes on Veterans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the area. I grew up in that area. I know exactly Yeah, it's right, it's right where the Chatterbox is or was. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. But look, yeah. before, we, uh, before we go, I want to go back to your topic yesterday about tipping. And I got a couple of thoughts on this whole business about putting money in and tip jars and all that. Mm-hmm. And I do it. I generally do it. I don't go to a lot of coffee shops anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to go to PJ's fairly frequently and get a Granita. And, you know, if I'm going to get a $5 Granita, I don't have a problem putting a buck in a tip jar. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a psychology associated with that without trying to be highfalutin. I think what everybody's thinking about is, is that these people doing these jobs don't make a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that's probably true as far as their base salary is concerned. Right. Mm-hmm. But if 20 people put a buck in the tip jar an hour and they're making $8 an hour, then they're making $28 an hour. You know <laughs> exactly. So, mm-hmm. and, and I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. But I just don't think it's exactly the way we think it is. We think that these people are working for slave wages and, you know, it's, it's, we, we almost do it, like you said, out of guilt more than anything else, you know? Well, I don't, but, I wouldn't call it out of guilt. I would call it intimidation because the, the prevailing sentiment now is that everybody needs to be making six figures and that's never been true. And right. it's, and it's no more true now, except we've been conditioned to think that it is true. And I'm so... Gonna you, I'm going to tell you the hardest working people in the business that are the least uh, rewarded. Compensated? Say it again? The least compensated? Go ahead. Late, late, yeah, the least compensated. The more, it's people working breakfast. Because people working breakfast work their tails off. They do. And these checks, by, na- by nature, are small checks. You know, so if you go in there and two people have breakfast and it's $16, you're basically obligated to leave a $3.20 tip. And I can't do that. I, I feel like these people work just as hard as somebody that's going to serve me an $80 dinner or a $150 dinner. And, uh, you know, I, I never just tip 20% on a breakfast check. I, I just don't feel good about that. You know, I just feel... Okay, well, let me give you another perspective on that. I would say that it's extremely unlikely that you are going to sit as long at breakfast as you are for a $100 meal. So that table is likely to turn three times in the same amount of time. That's a good point. That's a valid point. It absolutely is. So... I, I just think... I just think... Well, I tip pretty generously. You know, because the wine thing has influenced my tipping tremendously. Mm-hmm. And I've said it before, I say it all the time, I have no problem paying cartridge on a bottle that I bring in because I will always drink better wine by doing that. than you know, even if I have to pay $25 for the privilege of bringing my wine in, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, sure. When, when we went to lunch the other day, um, we both had cocktails so we did order some alcohol, and they waived the the, uh, the cartridge. I don't think they have a cartridge on the first bottle. The cartridge is mm-hmm. on the second bottle. But without trying to blow my own horn, it was an eighty dollar check, mm-hmm. and I left I left forty dollars because 
I had tried to buy the cheapest bottle on the list, instead of my check being eighty dollars, it would have been one hundred and forty dollars. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. So where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm taking it from Peter and I'm paying Paul. I guess is what I'm doing. You know. And, you know, maybe the owners aren't making out quite as well, but the service people love me, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a pity that all of this goes into a dining experience. I mean, it's really a head trip that weighs on you. Clearly, what you're saying, you think a lot about this, you know? And I don't think nearly that much about this. I tip 20% on a bill unless I'm extremely annoyed in which case I will tip 15%, but that's as big a statement of annoyance I'm going to do because I just can't do anything less than that. Well, but, we're, um, we're in a different situation with you being a non-drinker, okay? Exactly. And, uh, look, yeah. if you're getting, if somebody's filling your your glass and they're doing cocktails, that's a lot of service. So right. I think you're, you know, I think that's a, a good logical conclusion for you to draw. I'm sure servers and, do too. <laughs> one one final thing. Are you familiar with, with Majul? H M A J O O L Majul. I've heard of them. They are about three four times larger than a regular date. Mm-hmm. And I first gained familiarity with Majul dates. There was a time that you could only find them in health food stores or maybe Whole Foods or places like that. They're pretty readily available in supermarkets. I don't know anything about where they come from or, or any of the statistics on them, but they are really this really delicious dates. They, you know, most of the dates I grew up with are pretty dry, and these dates are very, very moist. And because they are larger, they have some substance to them. So if you wanted to stuff them, or if you wanted to do something with them, that you could do it quite easily, as opposed to the dates that we all grew up with. You know, I, so I, I didn't grow up with dates. Did you grow? You grew up with dates. I mean, well, my, I remember my mother used to do something with them around around really? Christmas. I think she, no I think she put a she put a piece of half a pecan in it and rolled it in sugar <laughs> or something. Really? It was something that we ate on a regular basis I, for the rest of the holidays. <laughs> I guarantee at the Canal House, probably didn't anyone ever know about dates, and I mean that in any imaginable way of dates you could any any possible definition of dates no i think that the idea of dates is so incredibly exotic that i just need to know more about it do you actually are dates a part of your life i don't eat them as much as i would like to because of the sugar content Uh uh-huh um you know it's just not good for me to be having people Uh think because it's fruit that it's not sugar well it is okay it's sugar of course you can taste the sugar in it I mean, it's fructose, and it maybe it's not as bad right. as sucrose, sure. but it's still sugar. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't pass up the opportunity to eat them on a buffet, but, you know, we don't generally have them in the house, you know, I that mean, type just, of thing. It's so exotic. I wonder, does anyone eat dates a lot? I mean, I just, I can't imagine that. Very quickly, do you, how do you feel about chestnuts before you go? you got 30 seconds. I've never had a chestnut. I've oh, never, gosh. I don't think I've ever seen a chestnut, to be honest with you. Uh huh. So maybe, okay. maybe I have to. Well, put what it the hell kind of gourmet are you? <laughs> yeah, right. All right. You're I'll not missing well. anything. Next time you go to New York in the in the winter with your wife, have some of those chestnuts roasting on the ground because that's where they are. But anyway. All right. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> 
It is coming up on three o'clock, and now I am I am really intrigued, even more so, to talk to Gunter Preuss about dates because dates have never been part of my experience. Patty, real quickly, yours? Yeah, my mother used to stuff them, like he said, really? with marshmallow okay. cream. All right. With marshmallow cream. <laughs> All right, it is three o'clock. WGSO New Orleans. We'll be back after the news from the top uh, from the Louisiana Radio Network. W- USA Radio News with Tim Berg. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is threatening to arrest some House Democrats in his state. Abbott making the comments after dozens of state representatives walked out of a session in Austin, Texas, and went to Washington, D.C. instead of doing their jobs. Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz calls the act a political stunt. I will say it's ironic. As they were getting on their private jet to fly to Washington, D.C., they almost surely had to show identification to get on that jet. (laughs) And, and yet they're doing this in a fit because they don't want mail-in ballots to be verified. They don't want the signatures to be verified. They don't want basic integrity steps. That audio courtesy of Fox News, this is intended to break a quorum and block a voting measure supported by Republicans. For the fourth straight day, anti-communist protests continuing in Cuba. USA Radio News. The way things are going these days, do you ever ask yourself, when is the other shoe going to drop? The warning signs are everywhere. The next big danger is food shortages. That's why Americans are learning to be self-reliant and getting their emergency long-term food storage from My Patriot Supply. We're America's trusted leader in emergency preparedness. Over the past decade, My Patriot Supply has served millions of families and helped them prepare. Our delicious meal kits average 2,000 calories per day and stay fresh in storage up to 25 years. This is reliable food that will be there when disasters strike. And with the way things are going, you should grab some now. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com, order a starter kit for each member of your family, and we'll ship everything quickly and discreetly to your door. Don't wait and scramble with the masses when the news breaks. Instead, prepare today for what's coming. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Facing a recall election, California Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom is dealt more bad news. California Governor Gavin Newsom will appear on recall ballots without his Democrat Party label after losing a last-minute legal fight Monday. A 2019 law that Newsom signed allowed elected officials who are the targets of recalls to list their party designation. But Newsom's legal team failed to respond to the recall petition in February 2020. The judge said the court is not persuaded. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. Senate Republicans are pushing more Americans to get vaccinated to help the spread of the Delta variant. Speaking with reporters, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says he's perplexed why Americans have not been able to finish the job. The Kentucky Republican adding the United States has three highly effective vaccines that are safe. The Senate in session this week while the House is off. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Look, bud, I said your money or your life. I'm thinking it over. The Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. The new Edgar Bergenauer with Charlie McCarthy. Now, if you help me, I'll mow you down. Three hours a day, seven days a week of the greatest radio shows of all time. Classic Radio Theater. Available on many of these radio stations or available on demand anytime at any podcast app by searching USA Classic Radio Theater. USA Classic Radio Theater. 
As protests continue in Cuba, Florida Congressman Carlos Jimenez appears on Fox News to discuss what President Biden should do for the Cuban people. I think what the Biden administration should do is uh, reaffirm its commitment uh, to, uh, to help the Cuban people to assert their... Well, the rain chance drops off tonight, but it's coming back tomorrow. Spotty overnight evening thunderstorms. And for the morning, too. But otherwise, midday or so, when thunderstorms develop with all the heat about throughout the course of the day tomorrow. 70s to 80 for the morning and the afternoon high to the 80s to near 90. Some spots could be the triple digits with the heat indices. As we move on through Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of the week, partly cloudy afternoons, otherwise scattered thunderstorms with highs 90 to low 90s. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Of the Food Show. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris. Wanted to talk food with you on this The Food Show, celebrating 33 years of talking nothing but food on Sunday. So happy anniversary to us. Is Gunter there? Yeah, I'm here. Patty? Oh, hey. Hey, Gunter. How are you doing? How are you? I am I, I'm fine. How about you? All I'm good? I'm fine, too. You're on your fine, end? I'm fine. Okay, so uh, so Gunter, I am most curious about dates today, dates, okay. and I thought I would ask you okay. about dates. Dates. Yeah. Do you like dates? Personally, do you like dates? Mm, no. <laughs> you know what, Gunter? You and I have the same opinion of just about everything. No, I don't like. Dates. I like the idea of dates more than mm-hmm. dates. Yes. Yeah. But okay. you can use dates in, in a lot of dishes. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can okay. use dates in a lot of dishes, and, and uh, we have used them in uh, where I came from quite a bit. But it, it's not a staple which is uh, very well known in, uh, in a lot of kitchens. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, so they're not really all that common. I, I assume no. they're from the Middle East, because all are. of the names sound like Middle yes, Eastern. they are. Okay. Okay. And, and uh, some people uh, sometimes confuse them with a fig, but it has nothing to do, to do. They're two no. different animals. Very different. Very yeah. different. Right. So, so I would assume that the reason, because they're grown in California too, so they need right. an arid climate, it seems right. like, for sure. Right. Okay. Right. All right. So mm-hmm. where did you first run across dates? So you didn't we- grow up with them. No, but we, we did. Uh, actually, I think it was in... Switzerland mm-hmm. or Sweden, doesn't matter, but we, we used to cook, uh, well, first of all, when we used to get uh, dates, they came in fresh, and we poached them in a little sherry wine and uh, water, and so, marinated and let them in the, uh, in the poaching liquid. 
Okay, so I, what's the difference in a fresh date and what you see in the store? How has in, what you see in the store been treated? In the, I guess whatever the, the, the dates which are in the store, they, they, they must be, obviously they have to be cooked first. Well, dry. Then, they look like they're dried. And then they are dried after that. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. So what is a fresh date like? Well, <laughs> well, some like I said, some people uh, they don't look like fakes, but they almost have the same identity. Maybe I'm huh. uh, wrong saying that, huh. but they, they have the dark skin on yeah. it, and obviously the the dates have a stone the fake doesn't have. So, uh, but see, I didn't even know they had a stone. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay. You mean the mm -hmm. figs? I mean the uh, uh, dates. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Okay. okay. So when you get a fresh date, like I said, we used to, to clean and wash them, and then we poached them in a, in, in a veil in water with, with, with a little bit of, of sherry in. Uh-huh. Then we cooled them down, let them manual, or let them sit in there, and then we slid them open and took the stone out. Okay. And then we started uh, cooking with it, or we used them in, 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 in various recipes. Like, I, I remember we used to make a curry, and we huh. put, it, put dates in there. Really? We cubed the dates, we cubed the dates, and we put it into a, mostly in a chicken curry. Really? Huh. Where we used dates in. Well, dates, dates are kind of sweet just by themselves, they are. aren't yes. they? Well, Yes, they are. Uh -huh. But, you know, if you really make a, a curry, sometimes uh, a, a curry, curry is, I know it's, it's spicy, but it's also sweet. Yeah, right, yeah, right. right. Uh -huh. So, you know, to come back to making curry, we always did, and we always put a, a little bit of applesauce in, mm -hmm. into our curry. So, to, so to, dates I, I, add I'm, a... I'm wondering off now. But I'm, no, no, no. I, I, I want to ask you a bunch of questions because I'm fascinated by dates. I don't uh -huh. really know enough about them, okay. but I know that I've tried them a few times, and my overall feeling about dates is yeah. meaty. I find them chocolate, meaty, yeah. mm -hmm. and I find them sweet. Yeah, very and, uh -huh. uh, and I feel like I'm missing something... That maybe dates could be great, but I've well, not experienced right, that. Right. Well, there is another thing we used to make, or we used to make a dessert, and it was called pamplemousse a la Washington. I remember that mm -hmm. years and years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's a, uh, pamplemousse is a, uh, uh, a uh, grapefruit. Mm. Okay. We used we used to hollow, cut it in half, hollow it uh, it out, and then took our marinated or our cooked grapes, cubed them, and marinated them in some dry uh, port wine for a while. Uh huh. Then you said grapes. Do you mean grapes or dates? I mean uh, dates. Dates. Okay. Dates. Just want to make sure that grapes weren't yeah, part of the I recipe. Know, okay. I'm so much. Dates. That's fine. And and uh -huh. then, <clears throat> then we took the marinated dates, which were marinated. In, uh, in port wine, put it into the, uh, the half of the, uh, of the grapefruit. Uh-huh. Then, then we put some, some nice uh, uh, strawberry ice cream on uh, top of it. 
uh-huh. put it in the freezer for a while, and then we made a meringue. Hmm. Covered the whole thing up with a meringue, and and then then just browned it with a with a torch, or you brown it normally yeah. at that time under a grill. It made a very beautiful looking dessert. But was it good or just beautiful oh, looking? Absolutely, because you had the uh, dates marinated in uh-huh. the port wine. You had uh-huh. the nice strawberry ice cream on the uh, uh, top, and then then you put the uh, then you put the uh, meringue on. So no, it was, okay. was a very uh, good looking. Sounds very gourmet. Yeah, yeah, great yeah, presentation. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. So okay. Then dates we used to you used to roll in uh, bacon too. Mm-hmm. You, 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 like you take it like a, you know the little sausages or whatever you put in uh, bacon. We used to use dates. Mm-hmm. Roll it um, in uh, bacon, but we didn't fry it right away. We put it under the broiler and cooked the bacon. You put yeah. a toothpick through it, and then we put it. We finish it up in a uh, in a, in a uh, fryer to make the bacon crisp. Really? And you took the toothpick out, and you could eat it like a. Like a, a grape. Eat it like in, a uh, date with bacon. <laughs> I would say grape. Date wrapped in uh, bacon. Uh-huh. That was an appetizer we used to use for hors d'oeuvres. You know, um, I know that dates can mm. go both ways. You can use it as a dessert, and it can also be part of a savory dish. Right. Would you say that it's more often used as a dessert and less as a savory dish, or well, is it kind of... I would say... If you put in into the muffins, you know you can muffins with with dates. You can make a chocolate, a, a, a dark chocolate cake with uh, uh, dates. Yes, I would say they they were used more than in a in the uh, dessert side of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, they're sugary, so they. I mean, I I find if I had to. Uh, I don't. They don't really offend me. I'm just curious mm. about them. When I take mm. a bite out of a dessert, right. it's a big mouthful, mm-hmm. generally well, speaking. Yeah, right. It's somewhat of a workout, right. and I find it overall sugary. But the right. overall feeling I've always mm. had about dates is right. they're so mysterious. They're so exotic. Yes. They are, and 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 kind of kind of unapproachable. I think yes. you know, and if you really think about the about a curry dish, which is very exotic too, to put a mm-hmm. uh, put a date in, it it, it really fits. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. People might say that some Indian people might say it's crazy, but <laughs> when when we sometimes when we cook the, a chicken curry, we put uh, dates in. Well, okay. that's kind of a that's kind of a compliment today. All right, Gunter, yeah. hold on. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back Fine. with Gunter Preuss to Fine. explore the world of dates. Mm-hmm. When we come back, I want to talk to you about what, in the course of your career, mm-hmm. what your customers have thought about dates. Five five six nine six nine six. If you have a question for Gunter, I'm sure he'd love to talk to you. Call us. The Crescent City Steakhouse has been a favorite since the first time I discovered it on Mardi Gras Day. This old-fashioned steakhouse hasn't changed much since it opened in 1934. I love the steaks. Here is prime beef, dry-aged in-house, a great T-bone or porterhouse steak. The Vojkovic family has welcomed generations of locals to this special place, and they'd love to welcome you. Crescent City Steakhouse, 1001 North Broad, 821-3271. Right down the highway from the excellent Keith Young Steakhouse is Five Girls, and the food is very good casual fare. 
Here is a fantastic club sandwich with homemade potato chips, a great Cuban, good salads, and the best red beans and rice we have ever had. Poor boys, hamburgers, and terrific fried seafood. Five girls, 305 Highway 21 in Madisonville, 985-845-2348. Autumn in New York, why does it seem so inviting? Because it's probably better weather, although the weather's pretty nice outside. You're listening to The Food Show. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris on with Gunter Price, who is talking to us about dates. If you have a question about dates, if you'd like to do some experimenting, or if you have had a particular dish in a restaurant and are just as curious as I am about dates, call 556-9696. You don't mind taking any calls, do you, Gunter? No, I have no calls. Okay. So you've been serving dates I guess, in your 50-year career. Probably not a lot, huh? No, I just wanted to, to answer you that. Not a lot, no. Yeah, yeah. The dates are actually, no, not a lot, okay. to be very honest to you. But what we mostly use it is, is like I said, we roll it in uh, bacon. We use it in a curry sometimes. And we also use it in some stuffed eggs, like a deviled eggs. We used to put really? dates and, and, and bacon in, you know, the bacon cubes, uh, bacon bits. No kidding. And, huh. and put it in, in the egg yolk and made, you know, and then stuffed it back into the, uh, into the huh. eggs because the, the sweetness really was a little bit overtaken sometimes by the, uh, by the, by the bacon, yeah. by the cured bacon. So, yeah. no, no. Okay, so have, you, go ahead, you didn't I'm have sorry. a lot. Okay. No, mm-hmm. no. All right. So... <clears throat> You have you have worked in kitchens all over the world. Right. I haven't seen a lot of dates in my sheltered life in Kenner and then right. in New Orleans. Is right. is it more common in other countries to see dates on menus? I am quite sure where the originally where the dates come from. Yes, but oh yeah, I mean in, in the Middle East, of course. But yes, I'm talking right. about in Europe. In Europe, not that I remember, no. But if I say not that I don't remember, mostly dates used to show up if you had a pastry chef. They mm-hmm. used it in cakes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Used it like, like I said, in, 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 in a little bit like a uh, like a, like a little slice of of, of a cake with dates, and mm-hmm. they uh, used it. Sometimes I've seen it in in dates ice cream. But mm-hmm. not so much in the in, in the other side of the uh, of the culinary spectrum. You know, my daughter, who is a baker, uh-huh. got on a date kick at one right. time, and right. she was trying to use dates in uh-huh. place of sugar. And right. I don't remember uh-huh. the particular no. the particular uh-huh. channel she went down, but right. realized that it wasn't going to go too far because right. um, dates might taste like sugar, sugar yeah, but, but there's not, more to no. them than sugar. Yes, yes. right. But, um, you know, people might, might, might say that I'm crazy or what, but if you have a cranberry recipe for something in, in the, on the pastry side, sometimes maybe, I know a cranberry is, is different than a, than a uh, drape, than, than, a, than a date, okay? So mm-hmm. maybe sometimes take the cranberries out or mix the cranberries with a few dates. Mm-hmm. You might be surprised how the, the sourness or the uh, you know the, 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 from the cranberry and the sweetness from the uh, from the uh, from the dates 
might mix very, very well to make something out of it. Well, cranberries are really tart, you know. So tartness. Then yeah. you put some sweet dates in and mix yeah. them. Maybe use, uh, what, 60-40 or something like this and, and make, make a muffin or make a mm-hmm. cake out of it or a pie out of it. Yeah. Did you ever, um, did you ever, you didn't really, since you don't particularly yourself care mm-hmm. for dates that much, right. nor did you ever have a lot of positive feedback? I mean, as a restaurateur, did anybody say, hey, can you make me something with dates? No. Yeah, never, okay. Never, never. So did you ever have some brilliant idea with, you know, of something to do with dates uh, and it just didn't turn out so well? Or did you ever uh, have an idea of something to do and it was just like, wow, this is pretty good? No, I, I think, I'm going to be honest with you, the only really experience I had with dates when we used to, to make curries. Uh-huh, okay. It was the only experience I had with uh, dates. And I could... Like, like I said, when you, when you work in, in, in a larger places like hotels, the pastry chefs used a lot, not a lot, but they used dates in some of their, their pastry items. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would say it's one of those things that probably, you know, like Tom used to always say, eat it where it lives. Mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. that I haven't done mm-hmm. a lot of extensive traveling in the Middle right. East, so right. uh, I would imagine that that's where you would see a lot More of than, yes. dates because that's where it, it grows. Although, Absolutely. honestly, I, I don't know that they could, I don't know, maybe they could make it something that would wow you. I, I mean, have you traveled to the Middle East at all? No, no. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 if anyone has and you've had some incredible date dishes, I'd like to hear yeah. about it because yeah. I don't really, I, I was telling Amy when we talked to her, Amy uh-huh. Mertens from Copper Vine yeah. called last week, which is why uh-huh. I, I got on the subject of dates. Right. And I just, I, I kind of feel like they are in the same sort of, I don't know, space. Mm-hmm. as a chestnut, which is like a mm-hmm. mouthful of wow. something. Yeah, right. And, it, and it's not really good in and of itself. Well, and like, I mean, I, I personally, I haven't had a chestnut anything that I like. Do you like chestnuts? Right. Uh, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> well, you probably <laughs> grew up with the chestnuts. The only thing is, again, chestnuts, when you rub it in uh, bacon and, 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 and cook it, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and she was with a toothpick. But anyway, it, it, that, that's just just me. But bacon, the great I, equalizer of food. Go ahead. It is. And uh-huh. but but you know, like like I know there are a lot of home cooks and a lot of uh, uh, chef, not chefs, but but anyway, but if if you would mix the tartness of a uh, cranberry with the sweetness of a uh, a date, I bet you you could come up with some very nice uh, pastries. Pastries or cakes? I mean, um, you can make pastries out of it, like like you know those sort of slices. You know, you they know, make sometimes those pastry slices where they have uh, where they have cranberries on. You can yeah. eat, you put some whipped cream on. You can mm-hmm. make a make a maybe a pie out of it. Well, I tell you what, that dessert that you described, the popple mousse. Yes. Uh, sounds like about the outer limit of gourmet for a lowly right. date, because I do yeah, think of a, a right. date as probably kind of right. a lowly food item. But I think that the the description that you gave of a curry 
with mm-hmm. dates is mm-hmm. probably about as good as it's going to get for a dish mm-hmm. with dates because those flavors of sweetness and the exotic flavors, uh-huh. I think, probably do uh-huh. meld pretty well together. Right. But also, you know, people like to cook and they're, they're amateur, whatever they are. But if you would take a, a Granny Smith apple, a real tart that was green apples, uh-huh. and mix a few dates in and then make an, uh, an apple pie out of it. I bet yeah, you I bet you that'd be good. Absolutely, yeah. because the sweetness of the uh, date would really mix very well with a, with a Granny Smith apple. Yeah. When you make well, I think... I think that's uh, I think that's pretty much a great formula. If you have a date, you have to have something, whether it's a cranberry or an apple or anything really tart. That makes a lot of sense. I guess here we could do Japanese plums. Those are really, really tart. <laughs> Although Japanese plums are such a pain to peel. You, I think my daughter has she has a big Japanese plum tree actually several in her yard and so for a while in the very brief season of japanese tar- uh, japanese plums she was picking them and trying to bake with them but they don't bake into anything very well they are however definitely uh qualifying as tart for sure all right tom is about to step on the dog come on over here babe Okay, Gunter, uh, that is pretty much all I had to ask you about dates. Okay. I was wondering, Good I kind of suspected that you didn't like them because you and I tend to be in the same, I mean, I don't want to frighten you because I, no, no. I told John Besh once that uh-huh. I liked his food too much. That was a bad sign for him. So as right. a non-gourmet, right. you know, I don't want to say that you and I have a lot of the same taste, but, right. but it seems like whenever well. I ask you about something... I don't like it, and you don't like it either. So I no, figured but, you would probably. But, yeah, hmm? but you see, people, they're not honest. If people <laughs> would be honest, they would say, you know, I don't like a date, I don't like a chestnut, I yeah. don't like bacon. But people, uh-huh. they're not honest. They just wait, go wait. along. Wait, wait, who doesn't with, like with bacon? Yes. Okay. I don't think there's so, anyone who doesn't like bacon. Right. But I'm just saying it as an example. If people would be honest, they just, yeah. they, you know, like I, I, I really... <laughs> Don't like dates. Yeah. So, but well, that's that why. Mean that doesn't mean that I wouldn't cook with them. Uh huh. Okay. Y- yeah. Well, I was kind of curious to see how much yeah. in your cooking career, <laughs> how much you were required to cook with dates, how many people you had served over the years who actually right. said, man, I really love dates, because I can't right. imagine that they're very popular. No, they're not. They only think. Yeah which I was required to cook with dates was when we used to make curries. Yeah. Well, the curry's a natural thing. And, and was, that, was that here or was that in Europe? No, it was in uh, Europe. Yeah, in Europe. Okay. Yeah, yeah that, right. that makes sense. Right. Okay, so, okay. Gunter, I, I love talking to you about these single-item things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you again because I've got another okay. one in mind. Good All enough. right? Okay. All right. Okay. Say hello. Okay, bye-bye. Ta- Take care, Gunther. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Hi, that's Gunter exploring dates with us. And I like to have him on because you know what? He is honest and I really like that. And uh, I think that we could have some really good single item conversations, which we would welcome your input in. If you have a question about a particular thing, if you are wanting to experiment with something, he could certainly do it. This is someone who has had a 50 year career in Europe and the United States as a classically trained European chef. All right, 556-9696 is the number. We are talking about food as we have for 33 years. Coming up on Sunday here, we are celebrating the 33rd anniversary of the food show. <laughs> I'm about to laugh again because what I need, what I need is a very long cord here. Yes. Tom, you want to come sit down and talk over here? You can. Well, actually, I don't want you to move because you're going to step on the dog. All right. So we were talking about French fries. We were talking about French, Tom. Uh, 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 oh, I'm sorry. If it sounds traumatic, <laughs> it, it really is. It really is traumatic. Um, all right. Patty, we even have to, we have to take a break early. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, play a PSA. I got an issue here. Okay. We'll be back. With family and friends and reaching public safety officials is critical. To prepare for power outages caused by severe weather or other conditions, you should create an emergency communication plan. First, check important cell phone contacts, including doctors, veterinarians, utilities, and insurance companies, and note local non emergency numbers. Store at least one contact as in case of emergency, and make sure that person knows if you have medical issues. Also, make sure everyone in your house knows how to text. Check backup batteries for all your phones and fully charge cell phones, batteries, and rechargers. Sign up to receive mobile phone alerts. Backup and print out important personal data. You might buy a battery-operated, solar-powered, or hand-cranked radio or portable TV to monitor news. Start preparing today. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. <laughs> the dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Jeff Palermo. Governor Edwards is celebrating a program dubbed Tops for Adults this afternoon with a ceremonial bill signing. The program, which goes into effect next summer, authorizes $10.5 million in community college grants for middle and lower income Louisianans, 21 and older. Louisiana Community and Technical System President Monty Sullivan says the program was named the MJ Foster Promise Program. Mike Foster is considered largely the father of community and technical colleges here in Louisiana. Those entering programs for five in-demand fields are eligible up to $3,200 a year and $6,400 total. I'm Brooke Thorrington. The State Board of Elementary and Secondary Education said today that it's not issuing mandates or policies related to masking or distancing in schools for the upcoming school year. Bessie says those decisions will be made by local school leaders. 
I'm Jeff Palermo, Louisiana Radio Network. I'm Jim Harper, President of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. On our farm in Cheneyville, my brother and I grow sugarcane, soybeans, rice, and crawfish. It's more than a living for us, it's a lifestyle. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation is a grassroots organization that stands together to protect that lifestyle. You depend on agriculture, and we depend on you to join us. Visit LAFarmBureau.org, the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Don't stress. Breathe easy. Explore Livingston Parish at LivingstonTourism.com. Right between Baton Rouge and New Orleans, you can unplug at Tickfaw State Park with cabins and beautiful views. Float or fish over 400 miles of waterways. Shop our Antique District, Bass Pro, Jubin Crossing, and V-Watts Trade Days. Rest at premium RV parks and hotels. Stay a night, stay a lifetime. Get away to Livingston Parish. Check out updates on festivals and events at LivingstonTourism.com or visit LouisianaTravel.com. The Edwards Mortgage Group, the Mason Collective, Nova Title Group, and ARC Insurance Consultants are the ones to call on for all of your home needs. Whether it's mortgages, closing, sales, or insurance, they take care of your home needs, and now they have come together to help take care of the needs of our beloved New Orleans music community by partnering with Bougainvillea Productions and Soul Project NOLA for Live from the Funky Uncle. Live from the Funky Uncle is a free webcast from the one-of-a-kind Mardi Gras float, the Funky Uncle Lounge, that features New Orleans musicians playing live music combined with interviews and outreach news to raise money for the entertainment community of New Orleans that have been impacted by COVID-19. You can join in the funky fun time by simply going to www.thefunkyuncle.live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Coming to the Funky Uncle Lounge on July 7th, it's the Bucktown All-Stars and on July 14th, the James Booker Tribute. For more information on how you can support Live from the Funky Uncle, go to thefunkyuncle.live and of course, follow us on social media media i like a gershwin tune how about you yes indeed who does not love a gershwin tune i started to read what tom wrote about french fries and um and then we got off the subject and i want to get back to it because it's quite a lot fried potatoes are among the greatest culinary, uh, I already read that part. Let's get down to a great uptick, a clear uptick in the quality of restaurant French fries appeared in recent years. More of them take the trouble to cut their own fresh cut potatoes. There was at one time, they were at one time universal, even at McDonald's. They used to have fresh cut fries as late as the 70s. Frozen, pre-blanched, pre-cut potatoes now rule the world. They're treated with batter or flavorings to approximate the crispiness and flavor of the fresh article. That must be done because most French fries are fried in advance. They may be wonderful as they come out of the fryer, but unless something is done, they become limp or dry a few minutes later. Tom says he understands why fast food restaurants serve frozen potatoes, but why should seafood restaurants, neighborhood cafes, and even some uppity expensive bistros serve frozen fries? Yes, that's my question. The answer is distressing. It's that most Americans are so accustomed to eating frozen French fries that they look askance at potatoes done the right way. The problem is exacerbated by a lack of fry-making skill in some of the restaurants that try to use fresh potatoes. But the technique is simple. To make great French fries, all you have to do is fry them twice. That way they not only have that great potato flavor, but they're crisp as well. There's only one problem. After the first frying, they're really ready to eat, and some people can't resist, so 
There they go. We found a way around this. Tom fries the potatoes at a lower temperature, but for a long time, the effect is nearly as good as frying them twice and incomparably better than any frozen fries. I knew I wanted to ask Gunter something else before he left, and of course, I had the issue going on, so I couldn't really concentrate, but I did want to ask him about French fries because I'll bet you he makes a mean French fry, a real French fry. The Deaf Dining Rule number 114 today is about fries. Few tidbits are better with cocktails than crisp, hot, thin French fries made from fresh potatoes. The Old Kitchen Sage says also about potatoes. When buying potatoes for making fries, buy the biggest russet potatoes you can find. Scratch the skin lightly with your fingernail. If you see even a hint of green, put that spud back. Well, you know, I, um, I am curious about that. You know, I'd like to have, I would like to have a, a, uh, produce person on to talk about produce because that's an interesting note to make. I picked up some garlic the other day and it was purple and it was not dark purple, but it was predominantly purple. And sometimes you see garlic that has sort of a light shade of purple and I'm wondering if that means that it's it's too fresh it's too new or what that means it'd be fun to have someone on to talk about things like that because I go ahead and use potatoes that are green but they are distinctly different from potatoes that are not green and I wonder what that means we need to get the answers to all of these important food questions somehow or another. Today in 1937, the first Krispy Kreme donuts were sold to food stores in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. At first, there was no donut shop as such, but after people came by asking to buy them, they cut a hole in the wall and started vending them through a window. The recipe for the dough came from a chef in New Orleans. According to the company's lore, we've never tracked that down, who it might have been, but... <clears throat> Tom is not happy about that Krispy Kreme donuts. He said he'll dot, dot, dot. I'm going to have to track that down because I did not know that. And, uh, and maybe we can find this um, person's relatives, at least, <clears throat> and find out if they got a piece of the pie. Words to drink by today. You say potato, I say vodka. That's from Megan Mullally as Karen Walker on the television show Will and Grace. And the words to eat by today are from Wol Soyinka, a Nigerian playwright born in 1934 today. The hand that dips into the bottom of the pot will eat the biggest snail. <laughs> I don't know where Tom gets some of this stuff. The hand that dips into the bottom of the pot will eat the biggest snail. I would imagine that the hand that dips into the bottom of the pot, if it's cooking, would not be as concerned about eating the biggest snail because they'd be concerned about the pain, I would imagine. Today is the birthday of Julius Caesar in 100 B.C., 
He, of course, was the first emperor of Rome and most translated of Latin authors. And, of course, the Caesar salad is named for him, but only indirectly. Caesar salad, that's a topic. Best Caesar salads out there. I don't know. I don't know who's got the best Caesar. Do you like Caesar salad, Patty? I do. Yeah. Do you know who's got a really, really great one? Uh, really I'm trying really to think one. the last time I had one. Uh, at the harbor, my, my one of my favorite places, Harbor Seafood. They've got a great they, Caesar salad. With they do have a shrimp, good one. Grilled uh -huh. shrimp on top. It's really good. Well, I think if you put something on top of a Caesar, it ceases to be a Caesar. I think a Caesar salad is about the dressing, and it's about the Parmesan, and it's about the, uh, the crispness of the lettuce. But once you start putting stuff, and I'm not saying it's not good. I mean, you know, shrimp mm -hmm. on anything or grilled chicken on anything. But the idea of a really great Caesar to me and I'm just being a purist here, and I'd like to know if anyone else agrees with this, is really about the dressing. It, you know, how, how thick is the dressing? How, how much does it coat the lettuce? How, um, how perky is the dressing? And how much grated Parmesan is on it? To me, a great Caesar has to have an even coating of a perky dressing, a lot of pepper, nice and and a lot of Parmesan on it. That that's what I think is a great Caesar. And I'm I'm trying to think of where I've had a great Caesar. Last last one I had was at Pardo's on the North Shore about a week ago, and they were using baby romaine leaves, which I think are really extra delicious, and. Um, and I thought the the dressing was really good. Doesn't but I don't, the dressing have a raw egg in it? It does. A traditional, a traditional Caesar has a lot of anchovy in it, and it's got a raw egg in it. And um, it's if it's well made, it's really good. It's it's really good. A lot of a lot of times people don't use a raw egg in the dressing because they're afraid to or they think their customers won't like it. But I think a true Caesar uh, is, is a really, it's a really great dressing. All right, we're going to take another break, Patty. We're going to take a little early break right now. Uh, the number is 556-9696 if you want to chat. Basil's Ace Hardware has been the center for your grilling needs for over 15 years. That's when I first got my big green egg, which I use more than ever lately. Fred also has Traeger grills and Weber grills and all the accessories for them. Charcoal and pellets and propane, as well as rubs and grilling utensils. Remember, a great cookout always begins with the right hardware. Basil's Ace Hardware, 4419 Transcontinental Metairie, 888-8588. Keith Young Steakhouse on the North Shore in Madisonville is everything anyone thinks of when a steakhouse comes to mind. The environment is elegant and handsome. The service staff is knowledgeable, attentive, and friendly. And most important, the steaks are superb. The steakhouse sides are also great. Keith Young Steakhouse, 165 Highway 21, Madisonville, 985-845-9940. I'll take Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island, too. That is great. That is so good. 
Okie dokie. We are back. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. All right, we have covered the subject of fresh cut fries or fries of all kinds because today is National French Fry Day. To answer your question that you uh, had earlier, I don't know if you had it on the air or off the air because we talk on and off the air, Patty, but um, the way that souffle potatoes came to be was <clears throat> Antoine Alchator who was a most interesting fellow and who came to New Orleans and founded Antoine's, actually worked in the court of the king that was uh, King Louis and was around as an observer uh, in the events of the French Revolution. And, and the most interesting note of, about him is that he actually was present at the execution of Robespierre. And there's a dish on the menu at Antoine's, and it's, it's Robespierre, but I'm trying to think of what it actually... I'm not going to describe why it's named that. You'll have to go to the restaurant to find out. But, uh, and I warn you about that, but... Um, it's, uh, what is the name of it? I'm going to have to look it up. But anyway, um, in addition to that, he was the chef at court and, uh, they were, this, not, not the king, but later on he was a chef and I, I have to look this up in the almanac. My recollection is kind of fuzzy, but um, there was a chef, I mean, a, a king who wanted to, um, who was really intrigued by the new technology of a train. And so the chef uh, made French fries for the king because it was his favorite dish. And the king decided at the last minute that he was afraid to ride the train. And so he went uh, by coach and the train arrived and the chef thought that he was going to be on the train, but in fact he wasn't. And he had already fried the potatoes. And so when the king finally did arrive, the potatoes were limp. And so to heat them up, he threw them back in the fryer, thus creating inadvertently the technique by which souffle potatoes are made. And so when he threw the fried potatoes back into the oil, they puffed up, and that was how souffle potatoes came to be. And Antoine Alchator is the one who brought them to Antoine's when he came here, and that's where they originated. And then the other Grand Dames started doing them as well. You can get them at Galatoire's, you can get them at Arno's, but Antoine's is the original, and it's because of Antoine Alchator. Now, I actually personally think that Arno's has the best version of those, and certainly the most beautiful presentation of souffle potatoes, which at the heart are French fries. But um, but yes, you can get them. I'm not sure if Two Jacks does them or if they still do them because things are changing at Two Jacks rather rapidly. 
And I'm not sure what dishes are still around. But that is the story of souffle potatoes. And we have talked, like, like I said, of a lot of... Uh, a lot of things having to do with French fries today and best French fries, etc., etc. You know, I was asking about peanut butter yesterday and um, where there might be a good peanut butter something. And coincidentally, I was looking at the menu today for Yield College Inn. And uh, there is a peanut butter thing on that menu. So I'm going to have to try that at some point. Do you eat there, Patty? Do you, do you go to Yield College Inn? No, I haven't been there since it became a fine dining place. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot different from what it used to be. It is a lot different. <laughs> now, see, I prefer the new one over the old one. Because I've heard really good things about it. Well, it's definitely upgraded in every way. I mean, it's not only the the uh, venue itself that's been upgraded, uh, and, and upgraded in a way that's not such a stark difference that you can't recognize it as what it was. I mean, yes, it's much upgraded, but there's a vibe there that's still, I think, very much like the original one. But uh, the food has also been very much upgraded. And uh, anyway, I said that there, there is a peanut butter thing on the menu, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but uh, it's a coincidence that I was just talking about peanut butter yesterday and that there is something on that menu. Because it was kind of hard to think about places where you could get like a peanut butter mousse or a peanut butter pie or something, but that, that is apparently one around town. Today is the birthday in 1940 of Paul Prudhomme, Chef Paul Prudhomme. He was the youngest of 13 children. He grew up on a farm near Opelousas. He often said that the goodness of Cajun cooking came from having to sell the best of what they caught and grew and making secondary foodstuffs taste good. He also said that people who grew up close to the earth, as his family did, had the advantage of having the ultimate in freshness in their food. Chef Paul first came to our attention when, in 1974, he became chef at Le Bon Creole, the restaurant in the Maison du Puy Hotel that was most recently Le Maritage before it became whatever it is now. I'm not sure what that is. After a few other gigs, he turned up as executive chef of all the restaurants operated by the Commander's Palace branch of the Brennan family. Commander's became great while he was there as he introduced an entirely new style of Cajun and Creole cooking. During those years, Paul began encouraging young people to take up cooking as a profession. Not the kind of advice they heard much in those days. He opened his own restaurant on July 3rd, 1979. K. Paul's Louisiana Kitchen, the K is for his late wife, Kay Hendricks, who was a big part of the operation. K. Paul's was an instant hit and Paul's celebrity grew exponentially. He remains one of the best-known chefs, or he was one of the best-known chefs. He still remains one of the best-known chefs in America. His cookbooks began their long and continuing run as bestsellers. 
After the hurricane, Chef Paul became highly visible locally, giving free food from his spice plant in Elmwood and camping out on the sidewalk in front of K. Paul's to encourage the revival of New Orleans. Chef Paul passed away in 2015 in October, but his restaurant and cookbooks live on as robust as ever. Were you a fan of K. Paul's? One of Patty? my favorite places, yeah. I yeah. loved it. I remember when um, Paul didn't like Tom, and um, he didn't like Tom because Tom got on the air and talked about some of Paul's ideas of restauranting that Tom found objectionable, which I would agree were objectionable. I think that those changed over time because you couldn't really do that and I think that he maybe mellowed a little bit in his older years although not a whole lot honestly <laughs> but <laughs> but um, Tom used to marvel that Paul would um, seat people together like he was sort of a big fan of what is now the communal table and of um, the service style and essentially felt that um, Paul suited himself maybe at the expense of his customers and I'm just paraphrasing this so you know it it's I don't remember the exact point at which, you know, the quote feud began, but <laughs> but Tom was banned from Paul's restaurants. And um so we didn't eat at K Paul's very much. I knew Paul before Tom. I remember Paul in my days at WWL when um, he was just getting started. And I started there at 1981, so he had already been in business for two years. But I know that Frank Brightson adopted a style of service from Paul that I don't know if they're still doing that. When was the last time you were at Brightson's, Patty? Uh, it was before, before COVID. Everything's before COVID. So I guess yeah. it's been about a year uh, probably August uh, okay. before then. I'm not sure if we talked about this. I know I, I've talked about this with someone, and it might have been you, and you might have told me that they're not doing it anymore, but I never did go to Brightson's very much. It's not my um, atmosphere. You know, old houses turned restaurants, mm -hmm. with the exception of Jack Mel Inn, because it's cozy and you can eat in, like, little private, little tiny little spaces. But... Um, there was a style of service there where you got your food when it was done and there might be five people at a table and two of them had food and three of them didn't have food. And it was because, I guess this was because Frank was a, a student of Paul's and that, you know, it was because hot food... Um, you know, it came out when it came out and, and that was it. So there'd be people at the table who didn't have food and people who did have food. Is that, was that no, happening? We never had that experience. And, and we've been several times, uh, 
it's kind of a special occasion place. And uh-huh. Also, during restaurant week, we would go there. But I've mm-hmm. never had that happen. Well, I think over the years, that has conformed to what people are used to seeing now. And it may be, actually, that the reason it's really hard to find hot food. I mean, if you think about it, do you ever get a plate of food that's so hot that you have to wait for it to cool? I mean, I've gotten them, but it's really rare. The norm is for more, I won't say room temperature food, but food that is comfortable for you to start eating right away. I mean, it's, it's extremely rare to get hot food. And so I think in the case that, that, that I'm referring to, I think that it was a uh, preference for serving food piping hot so that as each entree got done, it was delivered to the table piping hot. And I think it was such an unusual service style. And I'm talking many years ago. It's been a really long time since I've been there. Uh, but I, I think that was the one thing that I noticed more than anything else about it. And I thought that's really odd because nobody else did that. And so I don't know when, you know, I don't know when the conformity to deliver all the meals came there, but I'm sure it's been much longer than just two or three years. I'm, I feel like it's been yeah. probably a long time because my experience there, my last experience there was really long time ago. Anyway, so Paul, um, Paul definitely had his own way of doing things and, um, his food, his food is the style of cooking that I think has gone, I won't say by the wayside, it's still out there for sure, but uh, I think people tend to eat lighter and less spicy food than K. Paul's in its heyday. And... Um, I find that the only other restaurant that's doing that style of food now is Gabrielle. It's very, very spicy and kind of on the heavy side. And I think that that, I think we're, we've moved lighter in every way since Paul started. Anyway, that's it for the show. I want to mention that it is the 75th anniversary of WGSO. It is the 75 for 75 campaign going on throughout the year. We would love for you to make a donation because they've just been designated a 501c3 nonprofit. So WGSO is now, in addition to being the community voice of the Crescent City, of being the only locally owned news talk station, it is also a 501c3 nonprofit. So if you go to their brand new beautiful website, WGSO.com, you will see a yellow button on the front page and it says donate. If you click that button, your donation will be tax deductible and we will be very grateful because if we raise $75,000, we will make some uh, improvements toward everything at the station. So WGSO.com, please click the yellow button that says donate. And thank you very much for participating in the 75 for 75 campaign. Here at the Food Show, we have our own platforms. They are nomenu.com. That's N-O-M-E-N-U.com. If you go there, you see a little button that says subscribe. We'd love for you to subscribe to the newsletter. You get it twice a week. It's got the dining diary in it. It's got the almanac. 
and specials around town, Tom's extinct restaurants, and just incredible body of work on food in general and New Orleans food in particular. Nomenu.com has 400-some-odd recipes. It's where you will find on the front page the podcasts of the show in case you missed something. We also have, like I said, the extinct restaurants. We have just oodles and oodles of information. There are a lot of uh, reviews of restaurants. It's just a fun place to go and kind of tool around. That's nomenu.com, N-O-M-E-N-U.com. We have our Instagram page at the New Orleans menu. We would love for you to follow us there. A lot of pretty pictures about places that from places that we have been dining. Please tell a friend about the show. It's, you know, not much, but it's just fun and it's not everything else out there. We just talk about pleasure, about food, things that we love. That's kind of hard to find nowadays, so please tell a friend about the show. Tim McNally is up next with the Dine, Wine, and Spirits show, and we will be back tomorrow with Stan. It is 4 o'clock, WGSO New Orleans. Time for the news, Louisiana Radio Network. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. President Biden says Americans have the fundamental right to vote freely and fairly. Speaking in Philadelphia, Biden saying Americans should have the right to know that their vote will be counted. Some things in America should be simple and straightforward. Perhaps the most important of those things is the right to vote. Senate Republicans are pushing more Americans to get vaccinated to help stop the spread of the Delta variant. If you're a football fan, we're in the red zone, but we're not in the end zone yet. And we need to keep preaching that getting the vaccine is important.